after reading in Acts 5 last week, I've been reading some more in the book of Acts, and I I came across this passage, and, and it talks in a couple of different places. It places an emphasis on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a real necessity as believers for us as Christians and for our church as a whole. The only way that our church is going to grow is if the believers in this congregation are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we're really going to experience real life. I think that's that's the only way we're going to experience spiritual life. And so in, in looking at uh, Peter and John, Peter, just to give you a little bit of background, Peter and John, uh, are performing he- healings, and uh, there are people who are upset by that. And so Peter and John are going to be brought before the Sanhedrin, and this is kind of their response uh, to that. So we'll read in Acts chapter 4, verse 1 this morning. And uh, if you want to follow along with me, we won't read the whole thing, but we will read partway through the chapter here. Starting in verse 1, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John, while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw him from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. 
Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and, ha and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So first of all, we're jumping back into the beginning of Acts chapter 4 here and looking at Peter. And it's obvious to the people of the, to these Sadducees and, and uh, religious rulers that these men had been with Jesus. It was plain to see. And so in verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished and took note, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. As a Christian, that is our calling. It's literally in our name. When you consider what it means to be a Christian, when you consider the name Christian, it means little Christ. And as much as people may try to use it as a derogatory term, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be known as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. In fact, that should be our hallmark. Jesus himself said, by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. The hallmark of a, a Christian who follows Jesus is to love one another. Well, the hallmark of being called a Christian and looking like Christ is that when, people walk, when we walk around, people notice that person has been with Jesus. That should be our goal when we go about our daily lives, that when people talk about us, when people uh, have an experience or an encounter with us, that they go away behind our backs not saying, wow, what a weirdo, or wow, that guy was off his rocker. They should be saying, hmm, something different. There's some, wow, that person has been with Jesus. I walked away having an experience of something, something's going on. And they couldn't quite put their fingers on it other than they knew that Peter and John had been with Jesus. And so that's exactly what they said. They took note, they noticed that they had been with Jesus. So to give you a little bit of background, once again, Peter and John have been brought before the Sanhedrin and thousands have come to believe in Jesus because of their testimony and their message and the church is growing. They're incredibly successful and now Peter and John are defending themselves and Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. They, he stands up and he gives a powerful word about who's in charge. That powerful word is not Peter's idea. And the reason I know it's not Peter's idea is because when you jump back, when you look back in the Gospels, and Jesus speaking to his disciples, he tells them very clearly, do not worry about what you will say when you have to defend yourself, for the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. That promise, that prophecy, if you will, from Jesus to Peter and others, other disciples, is coming to fruition here in Acts chapter 4. He comes before the Sanhedrin, and I don't know about you, but he's been thrown in jail. 
there's a possibility that they may execute him. There's a good chance that that was, that was the fate before a lot of the apostles, and it did happen to most of them. But he, the pressure is on Peter to say something in his defense and ultimately in Jesus' defense. And the words are not just his own. This is not Peter's idea. It has to be the Holy Spirit. And so it's important, it's significant that it's written here that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and that's what he said to them. And he, he brings this argument before them and the people, the, 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 the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the men of the Sanhedrin, when they heard what Peter and John said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, verse 13, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. What stood out about Peter and John? It was not the eloquence of their argument. Peter did not make a really logically sound argument. That's not what's pointed out here. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's pointed out in Scripture that Peter was, after he gave his argument, the, the people, the men of the Sanhedrin got together and conferred and agreed, it's obvious this man didn't go to school. He was unschooled. That's what they came up with. That's what's written down in the Word of God about Peter. Not super eloquent, not a great logical argument, not super confounding and wise, but rather very obvious. Very obvious, notable, worth writing down that clearly these men had been with Jesus. They took note. I, I would love for our church to go out into the world this coming week because it's, church is not, being a part of the church is not about Sundays, but rather about Mondays, about going out into the world around us. I would love for our church to have the reputation uh, as a church, as a bunch of people who have notably been with Jesus, that, that when, it, when we go out into our daily lives, that it's noticeable. That person believes in Jesus and lives it out in a powerful way. It's notable that people take note of the fact that we're Christians. That's what should stand out about us, that people, that, that people notice that we've been with Jesus. That should be our marker. It should be what defines us. It should be what we're like and who we are. When people look at your life, what do they say about you? Will they say that person has been with Jesus or will anything stand out? We have to live our lives in such a way that it stands out. So well, how, do, how do we go about people noticing that? That's not just enough to say, well, this is what should be and then move on. It goes without saying, obviously, you have to have been with Jesus for people to notice that you've been with Jesus. No one's going to stand up and say, that person's been with Jesus when it's obvious they've been at the bar all night. <laughs> no one's going to stand up and say, wow, that person is a real strong believer. Oh, they may go through the motions, but sooner or later the truth comes out. I think the important thing to note here, uh, since by necessity, since Jesus is not on earth, there's only one way to be in the presence of God, and that's to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what happens with Peter here. Since he's filled with the Holy Spirit, Earlier on, maybe we're going to work our way backwards to Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. But, uh, and previously to that in the book of Luke, Jesus, and also in the book of Matthew, that Jesus tells us to wait for the gift, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 2, everyone, all the believers, the followers and disciples are baptized, 120 are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And from that day forward, many of them are filled with the Holy Spirit. The amazing thing here is it's not just for the leaders. 
That's what Joel chapter 2, the prophecy, and Acts chapter 2, the fulfillment of that prophecy is all about. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all people, on all flesh, men and women, young and old, slave and free, Jew and Gentile. And so that filling of the Holy Spirit is not just for the pastor, thank God. Not just for the leaders, not just for kings, not just for priests, but universally for all. And so we also can be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the way that people will take note of our, our being with Jesus. Because that is our act of being with Jesus. Being with the Holy Spirit is one and the same as being with Jesus. It takes time in prayer, and it takes time in the Word. And it takes time to listen to God, to allow Him to speak through us. Because that's exactly what happens with Peter. He, he's coming before the Sanhedrin, and God gives him the words to speak. And when you go out in your daily lives, and you need the words to speak to your neighbor. Some, and I'm not just talking about evangelism, I'm talking about every part of life. When that person cuts you off, when that person is rude to you in the grocery store, when that person is unkind behind your back, and then you meet them face to face for the next time, you need the Holy Spirit to speak the right words through you because let's face it when we do it in our own flesh we're bad at it we're bad at masking what we really want to say we might say nice things but it's very clear through our our bitter spirit that comes through to people when we're angry at them when we've been hurt by them we need to rely on the Holy Spirit for the right words and even the right attitude with people particularly those who, who have hurt us it's important to spend time with God. People will notice if we do. But people will also notice if we don't, if we're hypocrites, if we're not who we say we are, if we're not who we are pretending to be. Continuing on, our second lesson is from verse 20. And uh, the Sanhedrin tells, uh, excuse me, tells Peter and John, just shut up already, essentially. <laughs> Stop talking about Jesus. And this is their response in verse 20. Actually, we can start from verse 19 just to give you the context. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. And as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. We can't help speaking about Jesus. I can't stop myself from telling you all the things I've heard about Jesus. There are two parts to that. One, if you have seen Jesus work in your life, the Holy Spirit, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, fills us with contagious joy to share that with people. The flip side of that is that when we haven't experienced Jesus, if we don't, we're not going to have a witness unless we spend time in his presence. Because how can we share what Jesus has done in our lives if he's, we've not allowed him to do anything in our lives? How can we share the way Jesus has changed us if we don't want him to change us? We can't share anything about Jesus. We can't be witnesses of what God is doing if we never want him to do anything, if we never invite him in, if we never look to him in prayer, if we never actually open the Bible and see what it actually says, if we never take the time in devotions and prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to speak. My challenge to you is this. Test the scripture and what it says and apply it to your life and see what God does. Just do it. Do it for a week. Try it. What's the worst thing that could happen? I mean, truly, when you, when you spend time in his actual presence, not just hammering through reading the Bible because the pastor told you to or because I know that I should, 
but really soaking in the presence of God. We'll experience God's power in our lives, sometimes in small ways and sometimes in huge ways, and that gives us a testimony, a witness. If we can help speaking about Jesus, if we really just don't have that much to say, maybe my, my thought is maybe we're just not allowing him to work enough in our lives. That's not an always thing. Sometimes there are other reasons for not being able to share. Sometimes it's just not the right time. God doesn't always want us to run around yelling about Jesus and what he's done in our lives. Then, then we will be marked as crazy people. God, God is not after just crazy people who are you know, rambling gibberish. God is after people who desire to do his will, to speak his word, and to speak life into people. For me, I, I recognize this in my own life, and you'll recognize it in your own life. The people that you spend time with, you end up talking about them. It's, it's just, and I'm not talking about talking behind their backs. I'm talking about, we, you know, for Tara and I, we have Adelaide and Silas. Um, I've been spending, all, thankfully, a lot of time with Silas in particular and also with Adelaide. And uh, the reason I tell stories about Silas and Adelaide all the time is because I spend time with Silas and Adelaide all the time. Guess who I've got stories about? <laughs> Guess who did something funny this past week? I can't even think of the funny things that our kids do, but uh, you know, off the top of my head, uh, as those things happen, you're, you know, sometimes you're writing them down, but often you're not. When they come to mind, you kind of have a chuckle. Oftentimes you'll share that with someone. Well, guess what happens when you spend time with your spouse? Naturally, when if you go somewhere else without that spouse, when you're at work or out visiting or out with friends, whatever, guess who you're going to talk about? Well, you're not going to talk about your high school friend from 30, 40 years ago, who you haven't seen in 30 or 40 years, who you're just not thinking about. Guess who you're going to share? You're going to share about your spouse, your kids, the people you're spending time with. Yes, maybe you'll talk about other stuff too. When you spend time with Jesus, guess who you're going to talk about? It's going to come naturally. It doesn't have to be a big stretch like, I have this obligation, I really need to share Jesus. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he will bring us into opportunities where we're able to share. Don't use that, though, as a cop-out to never share Jesus. Too many times we, we, we say, well, I'm just waiting for the right opportunity and God has you know, sent four signs to you, flashing bright light bulb. Here's your idea bulb above your head and you're just not listening. You're just shut your ears because I, I don't want to be uncomfortable. There's a balance there to be found of speaking about Jesus. The people that we spend time with are the people who inevitably come up in conversation. And if we're not spending time with Jesus, he doesn't come up that much. We don't live in a culture where Jesus comes up very often just out in the world. Yeah, you're in church. Of course you're going to hear about Jesus. What happens when you go to the grocery store on Tuesday or whenever you end up going? Does Jesus come up that often? I don't know. We need to evaluate whether we're spending enough time with Jesus. Our third lesson here is in particular when we face opposition, but we did it. I'm thankful that the Lord brought it to our attention today which is raising your voices together in prayer. So Peter and John come back to the, the rest of the church, which I guess is about 5,000 men, if you include their families, maybe it was, you know, it was tens of thousands of people, or thousands of people anyways. It says in, in verse 23, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. In other words, stop teaching about Jesus. That's, that's you know, 
it, it would be as though our church got together and then we had to go and answer to Justin Trudeau and he told us, do not speak. And uh, it says here there's all kinds of threats. So in other words, don't speak about Jesus or you're going to go to jail, which is happening in tons of countries around the world right now. Not, it's not happening in Canada, but it is happening. And so here's what the church's response is to those threats. Here's what the church's response is to that opposition. In verse 24, it says, When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. I'll, st I'll pause there because what they're praying is not the significant lesson for us, although what they're praying is biblical and straight from scripture. That can be a lesson in itself. But our lesson is when we face opposition, what do we do? Because the human response oftentimes is not prayer. Even when you're a Christian, sometimes it is. I, I know there are people who don't profess to be Christians, don't come to church, don't claim to be Christians, and yet when they face crisis, they turn to prayer. I don't, I don't know. God, Thankfully, God's pretty merciful because if I only ever called my friends when I needed something, they would, I wouldn't be a very good friend. <laughs> but besides that point, when we face opposition, what do we do? Because the North American average North American person, you know what the first thing they do is? They complain. That's We're a complaining culture. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. This is We, we have a culture that loves to complain to one another. We like to gripe and moan and complain. And instead of complaining about what's going on around them, the church rises up in prayer together. They all lift their voices in prayer together. I think we have to be a church that does that. They raise their voices in prayer to God and in unity. They joined together in prayer and sought God to intervene instead of just complaining about it. The only way we'll break through the opposition we face is by prayer. The only way we'll break through to the people in our community to introduce Christ to them it's by prayer. It starts by prayer. If we don't pray first, I don't care how many nice things we do, how many programs we run, how great our music is, how great the preaching is, or any number of things. If we're not praying for those people, guess who's not going to come through the door? And if they do come through the door, guess who's not going to stay? And even if they stay, guess whose life isn't going to be changed if we're not praying for them? It all has to start from a place of prayer. We must raise our voices together in prayer for our prayer needs, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and also for those who are not yet brothers and sisters. Only then will we see true results and true success. Continuing on, when we see what happens after that, we see the significance of what happens in prayer. Continuing that prayer on in verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. After they prayed, and not a moment before, 
The place where they were meeting was shaken. Look at what happens, again, jumping back a couple chapters in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. The reason we have a Pentecostal church still 2,000 years-ish later is because of what happened on the day of Pentecost. And what happened on the day of Pentecost, it says all the, meter, the, all the believers were meeting together in one accord. And what were they doing? They weren't snacking. They weren't just having a potluck. Maybe they had a potluck, but it wasn't primarily a potluck, right? It wasn't just the fellowship. It wasn't because they were singing great songs. We often think, I, I don't know about you, I, I for a long time have, have equated praising and worshiping God in song to be when God God's presence shows up. But God's presence shows up throughout Scripture. Historically speaking, biblically speaking, God's presence shows up not just when we sing, not when we read the Bible, but when we pray. And when we pray, and after they had prayed, the meeting place was shaken. I would love to be in a place where we are so shaken by what God has done that our lives are changed. If we want to see change and growth, It'll only come after we pray. Growth never happens. Spiritual growth, church growth, maturity growth, spiritual maturity growth, that never happens without prayer. Never. Period. It doesn't. Spiritually speaking, if we're going to see change, it needs to come from prayer. So what do they pray? What do they ask for? In verse 30 it says, that they spoke to the Lord and they said, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. So they, they prayed that people that miracles would happen. But before they prayed that, in verse 29, it says, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And in verse 31, it has the answer to that prayer. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what God did for them? They spoke the word of God boldly. They spoke the word of God boldly because they were filled with the Spirit. It was a pretty simple prayer meeting. <laughs> they gathered together. There was a report of what the Sanhedrin said to Peter and John, to their leaders. And they cried out in prayer together. And every single one of them was filled with the Spirit of God and spoke the word of God boldly. I would love for that to describe all of our church services, but it doesn't doesn't even describe all of their church services. Many of their church services look different than this. So we can give ourselves some credit. But this is exactly what we need as believers and as a church. The reason they were able to speak the word of God boldly is twofold. One, because they looked to God in prayer. When they looked to the Lord in prayer and they asked Him to do that, He answered that prayer. And the second, and more importantly and more significantly, is if God doesn't do this, we don't have a hope of speaking the word of God boldly. They spoke the word of God boldly because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so once again, it comes down to spending time in prayer and spending time in the word. Some of that will be corporate prayer. This is, this is our, I mean, this didn't happen individually. This happened while they were praying together as a church. But for us, understanding the importance of our own prayer lives and devotional lives, spending time in the word of God, you can't speak the word of God boldly if you don't know it. And so knowing what Scripture says is so important. I can't emphasize that enough. I know this is kind of foundationally foundational, but for us as believers, if we're not spending time in prayer and spending time with Jesus, how can we really profess to be Christians? 
if we're not spending time in his presence, people are not going to take note that we've been with Jesus. My goal for you this week is that you have just a Holy Spirit encounter that he leads, that he's able to speak life through you into someone this week. And God will, if you ask him, if you say, Lord, give me the words to say and help me to speak boldly your word and what you want me to say, he'll do it. But are, are, do we, is that what we really want? Are we really going to be challenged by that? God's going to speak through some of us this week. I believe that. I trust him to do that. But I, I want to pray for you first that, uh, that you'll receive the Holy Spirit. So let's pray.